When we speak of the Trinity, uh, I think we have a tendency to objectify. Uh, we speak of the Most Holy Trinity like it's a thing. Or like we could ever capture God in a phrase like that. God, the Most Holy Trinity, three persons and one God. I'm not denying it or questioning it. I'm just saying it seems so, um, so little, so, so in, uncommunicative of what we're really trying to talk about. Um, we'll hear that description more in the preface tonight because in the preface, as usual, it always tries to explain the mystery or feast that we're celebrating and, and define it almost. So we talk about the Godhead, the Godhead. What is a Godhead? But, but it, it just seems to me so inadequate to speak of God this way. I'd rather look at the Trinity like a bottomless pit. You fall into this pit and you say, oh God, I hope the bottom is real close. Oh my God, there's no bottom. Oh, where is the bottom? And it goes on forever. That's mystery, a bottomless pit. Mystery is going out into space. Could you imagine if you were one of those astronauts that went out last week and, and got in that uh, um, rocket and blasted off and then started seeing the earth go behind you and, and unlimited space. And I know in the retreat that I give, I try to uh, put a little science into it, talking about how long the universe has been in existence and, and how limitless the space. Think if you were a little fish and I dropped you into the ocean at Santa Monica and then you had the whole entire ocean that spread all over the world to swim in. And that's a, an idea of a limitless space. Could you ever go to every inch of that ocean? That, to me, is the blessed trinity. A God with no beginning, no end. A God that is infinite, imminent, transcendent. When I studied theology and philosophy in the seminary, I remember in philosophy we talked about God being imminent and transcendent. Imminent meaning he is so totally personal and intimate with us that he is inside of us, in every one of our cells. And we are in God. We cannot ever, I mean, it's theory to say that sin separates from God. We can't separate from God. We can't. Because nothing exists outside of God. So God is in everything, and everything is in God, and there's no limit. God's bigger than that. That's the transcendence of God. So when we speak about this solemnity of the most blessed trinity, the most holy trinity, God, Father, and Son, God, Father, Father, Son, and Spirit, the Father, the Creator. This is the one that, that we hear in the first reading today, and you got to love the Jews, the way they talk to God and about God. Can you believe this? It says, early in the morning, Moses went up on Mount Sinai as the Lord commanded him, taking along the tombstone tablets, and then they have this conversation, a cloud comes. This is a description in the Old Testament, the cloud of unknowing, this cloud that there's a voice and there's a presence, but you can't really see anything. In fact, you're kind of led into darkness. Now that's mystery. So there, it says that the Lord stood with Moses there and proclaimed his name, Lord, I'm imagining, Lord. Then he says, the Lord, the Lord, a merciful and gracious God, slow to anger and rich in kindness and fidelity 
And Moses immediately bowed down to the ground. He, he was filled with maybe terror, fright, maybe just an awesomeness. This is my God. This God speaking out of this cloud. This is mystery. This is bottomless pit, not the Godhead. The mystery of the Holy Trinity. This is God. And then... Moses has the nerve to say this. I just love it. This is, these are the Jews. Then he says, Hey, Lord, if I fain, find favor with you, come along, join us. Can you imagine saying that to God? God, if, if you kind of like me, come on, join us. Come on with us. That's the first description of this God of mystery, yet totally one with us approachable. We want him to join us, be along with us. Then in the second reading, we get the mystery opened up through the person of the Word of God, the Son of God, Jesus, the Christ. Now, when we speak of Jesus, the one who walked on the planet, we immediately objectify to this human person, divine human person, which in itself is a kind of mysterious thing to say, but at least he was approachable. You could see him, you could touch him, you could feel him, hear his voice, etc. So now after Jesus has died and risen and, and ascended to the Father and sent the Spirit and the apostles and disciples have gone out and preached him everywhere, now if we really get who this Jesus the Christ is in our life, it's got to change who we are and, and how we are. So Paul says to the Corinthians, brothers and sisters, rejoice! For God's sake, rejoice! But listen, you know the Christ. You've met the Christ. You've been baptized into the Christ. The Christ has poured the Spirit of God into you. So, mend your ways. Encourage one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. All the holy ones greet you. And when you greet one another, greet one another with a holy kiss. Hmm. Ain't that the way it's supposed to be? This coronavirus that we are still in the midst of, to me, speaks to this mystery of the Trinity in, in a, a bunch of ways. First of all, in terms of the grandness, the amazing hugeness of God, I find this virus so um, intoxicatingly amazing to imagine. They magnify it till it looks like a little ball with little spikes on it. But that is, I think they say that that image that they magnify is one thousandth of a hair in its dimensions. I'm probably wrong. It's probably bigger than that, longer. But at any rate, here we've got this little virus that we can't even see. Maybe under magnifying glass we could maybe see. And I'm not a doctor or nurse, but can one, one of those little virus things infect us? Just one? Not really? That's why I'm going to sanitize before I give you communion. And if I should even touch the hair on your hand, I'm going to sanitize again. So I've got to kind of drop it into your hand carefully. Because we've got to take care. But when I look at that virus, I say, oh, my God. Now, the virus isn't bad. It's not mean in itself. It just happens to be able to kill us. 
But, you know, in itself, it's part of creation. And, and if we're going to judge the virus and get all mad at the virus, let, let's listen to the animals get mad at us. You're going to eat me, says the cow. Is the plant, you're going to break me off and crush me and, and put me into your food. We dominate and take over because that's how we exist. It's the chain. It's the chain. So the virus is feeding off of, I guess, us. And it's deadly, and it's awful, and it's amazing, all at the same time. And it's a mystery. And in a way, it speaks about the grandeur and the glory of God that this incredibly huge universe has so much variety and so much that can both hurt us and help us. Is an avalanche bad? I don't think so. If I could stand across a valley and watch an avalanche, I'm sure I'd say, Oh my God, that was amazing and powerful. I just wouldn't want to be under it. And like my friend Father Gilbert says, every time we go park in a garage that's underground, oh my God, I hope there's no earthquake. <laughs> Is an earthquake amazing? It's amazing. But you don't want to be under something and be able to be fall through the crack of the earth. Hurricanes, tornadoes, they are just an amazing drama of nature. You just don't want to be in their pathway. But in themselves, they're, they're quite spectacular. So we talk about this mystery of God. Anything I've just said in all those mysterious and wonderful things are nothing. They're just a, they're, they're a, a, a grain of sand in the mystery of God. And yet we come here as a people of faith saying, like Moses, Come on, Lord, if you approve of me, come on, join me. Be with me. Be in me. Let me be in you. I have, I guess, maybe gotten a little more creative in these days and having nothing to do, so I've been writing every day on the Scriptures, and I put it on the Facebook page. And I always write the pastor notes, and I go back and check them out when I come to the Mass, because, because usually there's something in there that grabs me or at least connects with me. And, um, and this week, uh, as I uh, reflected, uh, oh God, it's, I'm having one of those senior moments. Let me just uh, pull it together here real fast. Uh, no, I can't find it anyway. Well, oh, this day I wrote something, and it's around the phrase, because this reading we had earlier in the week, and this, this when Jesus says, uh, that, that, well, let me just read it because it's, it's very blunt and very direct and very straightforward. It says, it says, whoever believes in him, in Jesus, will not be condemned. But whoever does not believe has already been condemned because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Now, there is a little piece in there and it doesn't indicate it with these, the chapter 3, verse 16 to 18, but there's another little piece that slipped in there that says, but if we are unfaithful, God will never be unfaithful with us. Can't be. So what does this mean? Whoever believes in him uh, will not be condemned, but whoever does not believe has already been condemned. I think most people interpret that as somehow God is going to judge you and condemn you and put you in hell or whatever because you didn't believe in Jesus. I don't think that's what it means at all. It's just stating a fact. How would I say it? If all of this 
earth was in darkness now, but this room was filled with light. And these beautiful windows and the artwork and, and, and there were just countless treasures of beauty in here. And I came to the door and it was dark outside, but I saw a little sliver of light underneath. And, and so I said, I want to go in there, into that place of light. And so I pried the doors open and I walk in and there, there wasn't an inch I could look at that wouldn't fascinate me. <gasps> look at the light. Oh, look at that. Look at that statue. Oh, look at those flowers. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And I just was reveling in the beauty. This is like salvation. This is come into the light and get it. But what if I came to the door I saw, saw the sliver of light. Somebody said, you've got to go in there. It's beautiful and wonderful and amazing. It's, it's breathtaking. And I became afraid. Or a doubt surged in me. Or I said, I'm not worthy. Or I said, well, how can I really believe it? And I see the sliver of light, but I said, no, no. And I returned to the darkness. That's condemnation. It's not God doing anything to me. It's me doing it to me. It's not accepting the gift. This great solemnity of the Most Holy Trinity, to me, goes right to the core of what our faith is about. And these readings surround this meaning of Trinity and invite us into it. And even this coronavirus has challenged us in our belief of the Trinity, our belief in God, because if we, as a people of God, believe in this God of mercy and love, shouldn't we be led to that second reading? Shouldn't we be embracing one another with a kiss? We can't touch, I realize that, but you know what I'm saying. Shouldn't we be reaching out to, and we are, you hear story after story. My God, the doctors and nurses, every night, still. In New York, there's seven o'clock for a minute, they're blowing the horns. And even in the, in the face of all this rioting and stuff that's been going on, it's been quite an extraordinary, extraordinary turn of events. Not that the blacks are marching, but whites are marching with them. And that everybody seems to be saying, or at least the vast majority, everyone on this planet should be equal. That's what somebody who believes in the Trinity would say. And it's not limited to this country. People around the world are marching and saying the same thing. And maybe it's our youth. Maybe it's that generation that's beginning to get it. Maybe it's them that are going to light the pathway for us. This Feast of Holy Trinity is inviting us to be a people that open ourselves to this great, fathomless, just bottomless pit of mystery and love and let the God of Father, Son, and Spirit enter into our hearts and lives and mold us and shape us and change us and call us and send us forth. And if that's what this mystery is about, I want this mystery in my life. I want to know it, love it, live it, and give it to others.